Hello and welcome to another message of the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to write to us through our website at www.thelatterrain.org. Keep in mind that our English audio messages are available as podcasts through iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcasts as the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. Some people may ask themselves, how do I know God is real? What we'll discuss today is that when we make a decision for Christ, when we choose to obey Him, we'll have our own special, personal, and intimate encounters with the Lord, not only at that initial moment when we surrender our lives to Christ, but also throughout our walk with Him. When we follow the Lord faithfully, we'll continue having special moments with Him and in ways that we need Him the most. In all reality, God is always there, in our hearts, all around us, always working things out for our own good and for the good of others, even though we don't see Him and we may not see it like that sometimes. But we will have those very obvious encounters with Him that will help build our faith continually if we just continue doing what He asks us to do. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we look into God's Word together. Let us take a moment to pray together to the Lord so he can speak to us through his word. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified and exalted be your name, for you are worthy to be praised and exalted forever and ever. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks for the salvation and the forgiveness that we have through him. I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you may guide us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that you may speak to us, O Lord. Help us to understand your will and to do it, to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to be reading today from Joshua chapter 5, and this is what the word of the Lord says. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. For Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them, all of the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. 
Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover in the fourteenth day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. In this passage, we read that God had commanded for the sons of Israel to be circumcised because they had not been circumcised yet. In ancient times before Christ, God had commanded to do so as an obedience to him, that every male child was to be circumcised at the eighth day. It was to be a sign that these male children were his people. But not too long after, even though God had required circumcision as a physical showing of what he was doing with his people, he was more interested in people's heart rather than physical outward appearance. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16 to 17 says, Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. The implication of circumcising your heart and of not being stiff-necked any longer was for a person to just obey the Lord. Out of all the things that God requires, at the very top of the list is obedience, to just do as we're told. Obedience is a part of loving the Lord, that if He asks you to do something, to just go and do it. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1 says this, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I commanded today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. This is a promise made to his people and it is very still much in effect today. Not necessarily in the way many people would want it though that this gets realized on earth. That's the mistake that the apostles made at the beginning, thinking that the function of the Messiah was to come and establish an earthly kingdom. At some point later in the future, that will happen. But Jesus came to establish a far greater kingdom than this physical world could ever be. Jesus came to establish the eternal kingdom, a reign without end, and that we would become part of that kingdom through his death and resurrection. And so, if we obey God, we can become part of that kingdom that is high above all the nations of the earth. Because again, obeying God is critical. It is necessary. It needs to be done for our own sake. The Bible teaches us that acknowledging Jesus as Lord is an obedience because we're acknowledging a truth, a reality. Romans chapter 1 says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. And so the very first obedience every person should come to fulfill is acknowledging the reality that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he is who he is so that we can be saved. 
And of course, as part of that obedience, we need to confess and convert from all of our sins because sin is also a reality in our lives. Confessing to something that is true should not be a burden. It is just acknowledging our condition and that we want to turn away from that condition. This is where many people get it wrong as well because many people have a problem with just accepting simple facts. Like we have said before, the obvious eludes many people, but not because it is difficult to understand. It becomes something difficult because it is a matter of just accepting things. Pride is involved and quite frankly, foolishly and unfounded pride is being displayed. When we don't acknowledge the reality of our sins before a holy God, and we don't acknowledge the reality that Jesus is in fact the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then we're only hurting ourselves. Because without acknowledging and accepting as a reality both of those things with all of our hearts, we are the ones that come out losing. Because without accepting both of those realities, we're not able to be saved. We do not fulfill the conditions that the Bible teaches us that we need to fulfill in order to have eternal life. And here is another problem people have. Everything in the Lord is conditional. It is a series of if-then statements, if you will, as the God He is. If we repent and convert from our sins, then our sins will be forgiven. If we accept Jesus as the Lord of our lives, then we will belong to Him. If we obey the Lord, then what is related to that obedience will come true. There are some people that teach that we just need to lay hold of all the promises in the Bible and make them ours. And yes, that is possible, but we need to obey the Lord in those areas in which the promise is made available. And again, it starts with obeying the Lord for salvation. Everything with the Lord is conditional. The words if and then are implied throughout the Bible. Let's continue looking at obedience and how important it is so that we're able to fulfill conditions related to obedience. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27 tells us this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so we read that if we hear these sayings of the Lord and do them, then he says that he will liken us to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and that the house that was built on the rock withstood everything that came its way. And he also mentions the reverse. If a person does not hear his sayings and does not do them, and so in order for a person to be able to withstand anything that comes their way, they need to fulfill two precise conditions. And they are one, that they hear his sayings, his words, and two, that they do them. Do you see how that works? It, one cannot be without the other. You need to do both. We need to meet the conditions. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, just a few verses before what we saw just now, here are some more conditional statements. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? 
And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so it is not the people that say, Lord, Lord, or rather those people who do not do the will of the Father that will enter the kingdom of heaven. But wait a minute. These people that are supposedly doing things that are not only God's will, but are also a display of his power, will not enter the kingdom of heaven? How can that be? Is it not God's will to prophesy or preach in his name or cast out demons in his name or even do wonders in his name? Why is God not letting them in? There's a reason. Let's define first, what is God's true will? And for that, we have to go to what should be the root of our relationship with the Lord. In Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31, it says this. Jesus actually said this. Said, Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. And so... What God is mostly after is the reason, the why for why we do things. That is the main concern to the Lord. That is what he means by doing the will of the Father. Love has to be at the center of our intentions. And so it is not just doing things. It's about the reason why we do them. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 to 10, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God looks at the heart, at the mind. Here is where all of the intentions are, the reason for why we do things. God knows everything and he wants for our love for him, which should always be first. And our love for our neighbor, which is second, but it's up there, should be the reason for why we do things, the things that are his will. And of course, the actions that illustrate love to both him and our neighbor. For instance, a person can preach all they want, but what are they preaching about? How does what they are saying glorify God and help their fellow man? In the same manner, how about casting out demons? Because there is such a thing. Okay, they may be able to cast out demons, and the detail that the Lord shows here is that they are doing everything in his name, which means that his name alone is what has the power to do those things. We don't have any power. It is all the work of the Holy Spirit through the name of Jesus. But again, casting out a demon may be possible. And it is good to free a person from such a problem, which would involve the second commandment. But what about the very first one? Loving the Lord your God. If they're doing it to bring glory to themselves, that is a problem. And the same applies to someone who does wonders. Is there love in their heart for the Lord? Is the Lord the reason for why they're doing the things that they're doing? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter is known to some, tells us this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. 
And so a person can do great things, incredible things, things that anyone would say, wow, what a Christian. But yet it is worth nothing to God if there is no love, no love for him, or maybe even no love for your neighbor. We have to be mostly careful with the reason for why we do things. This is at the center of doing God's will, the type of obedience the Lord is looking for. In Revelation chapter 2, it tells us about a church, a group of people, because a church is not a building, that lost their love for the Lord. They do great things, but they have forgotten the reason for why they do things. This is what it tells us. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Love has to be the reason for why we do things, but again, it needs to fulfill the conditions of the greatest commandments, which is loving the Lord first and foremost, and then loving your neighbor. This is the way that we can truly do God's will. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 49 to 50, it says this, And he, speaking of Jesus, stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and mother. We become his true family if we do his Father's will, if we fulfill his will. The Bible also tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18 to 20, the following, for assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we need to take in God's word. We need to fulfill it in our lives. And we need to do it because we love the Lord and because we love our neighbor. What matters is why we do things and then the what we are doing. The why always takes priority over the what. But the what is also just as important. God's ways are extremely practical. And he wants for us to be intentional. And finally, the Bible counsels us in that we are to present ourselves as servants to the Lord. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to 2 says it like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This passage needs a little unpacking, if you will, within itself. The Apostle Paul asks us to consider God's mercies, all of the things he has done for us so that we can present our bodies, but in a certain manner as a living sacrifice, meaning that we submit our will to His will. 
as something holy. Another word for holy is separated, set aside, apart from everything else, and something that is acceptable to God, which means that we're only made acceptable through Jesus Christ, but that we're also trying to be acceptable to Him through the Holy Spirit's transformational power. And Paul is stating all of this as a reasonable service. Reasonable means at least two things here. First, that what he is indicating is reasonable in the sense that it is the fair thing to do, especially considering what God does for us on a daily basis and the incredible and unmerited sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, reasonable also means that we are choosing to do things based on reason, on a rationale, on the why, that we have meditated on and considered all things, and that He has become the why we are doing things, the reason for why we are obeying. And in order to prove or to understand what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God, the what we should be doing, we cannot allow ourselves to be conformed or shaped into the world that surrounds us, but rather that our mind needs to be renewed, changed, transformed in the Lord, but that can only happen through His Word, His instruction. And so everything in the Bible indicates action, conditional action to be more precise, and it can only be done by obeying the Lord, by doing what we're told to do. So therefore, we need to obey. And finally, obedience does not require necessarily understanding what you need to do. Obedience just requires that you do it. So. This within itself implies trust. It implies faith. It requires faith, rather. And as the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith is a requirement for obedience. It's like God saying, Look all around you, and all the things I've done and continue to do, on a daily basis for you. Just trust in my love for you and do what I tell you to do and everything will be fine in the end. Let's put it a different way. No matter how much some people may think that they are independent and that they don't need anyone in life, everyone at some point, especially when we were children, trusted someone and we didn't understand what they were telling us to do, but we obeyed, right? When someone fed us, we just ate what we were given. When we were told to do or not to do something, we went ahead and obeyed, not even understanding why we needed to obey. That is usually the story when someone is an infant and up to a certain age. It's exactly the same thing with God. But here is the big difference. And this is where it all comes together. When we obeyed our parents or our loved ones, we either received certain things or at least learned how to survive. But when we obey God, that opens a whole new experience, starting with the obedience for salvation, by acknowledging that we need to repent and convert from all of our sins, and by obeying in accepting that Jesus is who He is, the Lord and God of everything, and that He needs to become the Lord of our lives fully and completely. And that is only the beginning. When we continue obeying and doing what the Lord tells us to do, He will appear to us in different ways. At the very least, we will know that He is with us and in a manner that is truly necessary at a given moment, like we read in today's key passage at the beginning. Joshua and the people of Israel at that particular moment needed the Lord as the commander of the Lord's army. 
And the Lord became that for them and dealt with everything they needed, but it was because they obeyed. When we obey the Lord, the Lord reveals himself to us in a very personal and intimate manner. And that within itself continues to build our faith, making us stronger so we can continue moving forward by continuing to learn and obey, doing those things that please Him and are ultimately for our own good and for the good of others. And that, my friends, will stay with us for all eternity. When we have personal encounters with the Lord, starting with the incredible moment of salvation, when we surrender our lives by repenting and converting from all of our sins and effectively making Jesus the Lord and God of our lives, everything changes. We are transformed into a new person. How do I know this? I had my first encounter with the Lord many, many years ago, over 38 years ago to be exact. And that encounter changed my life. I felt alone without hope at some point. My health had deteriorated to the point that the doctors didn't know what to do with me and that it was just a matter of time for things to end. My family was falling apart. We had lost everything financially. Everything was a disaster in my life. And so I obeyed by coming to Jesus and surrendering my life. I understood that even though I was very young, what sin was and that I needed to turn away from it. And I understood that I needed someone like Jesus in my life. Even though I knew who Jesus was, I understood that I needed to obey and make him the Lord of my life. And when I surrendered my life to him, everything changed. He did not show up in my heart as the commander of the army of the Lord, but as I truly needed him at that moment, as the loving and mighty God that would never leave me alone, that he would always be there for me, no matter where I would be. God assured me that I would never feel or be alone ever again because He would be in my life always. And that solitary first encounter with the Lord has stayed with me until this day. Moving forward from that, God has shown Himself to me in so many different ways as I continue to follow Him and obey Him. I'm not perfect, and you don't need to be perfect, but I've tried to do the best I can in obeying Him and doing what He tells me to do and I have experienced His presence, who He is all through these years, even right now as I share this with you. The most important thing for anyone is knowing and experiencing God for themselves. That's why I cannot stress enough that your life, your soul, everything you are can be safe in Jesus Christ if you just have faith in Him, if you trust in Him, if you ultimately obey Him, not just only for eternal salvation, but obeying Him on a daily basis as best as you can. If you obey the Lord with all of your heart, you too can have your own life-changing, personal, and intimate experiences with Him, guaranteed. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks that you are a living and very real and true God, and that there is no one higher than you or greater than you, Lord, because no one can do what you can do. And Lord, not only are you truly great and magnificent and wonderful in every kind of way, you love us, Lord. You care for us. And Lord God, you surrendered your Son, your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that we could be saved because you love us, Lord. 
How can we not love and trust and have faith and obey a God that does such things? Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to understand who you are and that we need to have that encounter with you, that we need to know for ourselves that you are real, that you are true, that, and that there's nothing or, or anyone can compare to you, Lord God, because you are unique in every kind of way. And that when everything and everyone else fails us, Lord God, because sooner or later that will happen, you will not fail. You will be there. And Lord God, if we remain faithful to you and we obey you and we put you first in our lives and we, and we learn to love you, Lord God, the way that you should be loved, Heavenly Father, that when all of this is gone and when our physical lives are no more, that you will remain forever and ever and that we will live for you forever and ever. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that the here and now is only a moment. Help us to understand and always keep in mind that eternity is forever and we need to obey you so that we could be able to live in that eternity forever and ever with you, with the one that loves us and gave it all so that we could have eternal life. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you for your love. I pray for each person that is listening that they may understand that it is in their own best interest to obey you, to follow you, to apply your principles to their lives, Lord God, to ultimately do your will. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please feel free to join us again next time as we continue looking into God's Word together. If you would like to write to us, you can do so through our website. Our web address again is www.thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.